Welcome to Nathan's School of Thought. I'm Nathan Walker, Global Performance Coach, here to share principles gleaned from decades of teaching, training, and coaching on four continents. Whether you're a senior executive, salesperson, new parent, military leader, artist, musician, head of a nonprofit, or a student, it doesn't matter who you are, only who you can become. Join me each week to have your brain flipped upside down as we move together toward a happier, healthier, and much more productive life. Hello, my friends. The other day I was thinking about something that happened when I was a kid, and I don't even remember what produced the thought. I think it was a picture that I saw of my dad when he and I were both much younger, and it reminded me of something that happened when I was probably toward the end of elementary school. I was probably in sixth grade or something. My dad was a choir director, but he was also a really big, strong guy. He had grown up on a farm. Uh, We still had a farm that we ran in the summertime. And he was just an extraordinarily strong guy and loved to wrestle and play around and things. He was also very well loved and respected, not only because he was a good musician and a good conductor, but because he really, truly loved the students in his classes. At the time of this story, I think he was teaching at a junior high school, and I was just young enough to think that the junior high school kids were old and mature and wise and wonderful and better and bigger and cooler than I was. I remember my dad being unafraid to recruit groups of kids that wouldn't normally join choir. He would deliberately go after football players and kids that were popular and try to give them an experience that would be worthwhile to them, something they would find valuable. Not only did they find value, but they found excellence. Those groups were so good and so highly touted that it gave every student a feeling of real accomplishment to have been a part of something so excellent. At the end of every school year, there was always a big party. Sort of a farewell for the kids that were graduating and going on to higher grades and a way for everybody to celebrate having been a part of something good. This particular party was held at a house that had a big patio area and a really nice swimming pool and everybody was swimming and eating hot dogs and life was wonderful and good. The sun was shining and nothing could go wrong. I was thrilled to be part of this event because I wasn't old enough to be part of that choir. But, you know, it was my dad, so I got to show up and eat the food and play in the pool. At one point, as often happened, a big water fight started. Then it became a contest to see if some of the older boys, who were feeling all manly, were strong enough to get my dad and drag him over and throw him in the pool. They thought that would be really fun. I thought so too. I loved watching this. But the most fun thing to watch was that Dad was kind of a formidable opponent. One after another, these boys would pile up on him. Dad would just grab them, peel their grip apart, and throw them in the pool. At one point, five or six of them got their arms around him all at once, and they were starting to make some progress trying to get him over toward the water. That looked really fun to me, and I wanted to be part of that. So I ran over and I threw my arms around the whole pile of people and I started pulling too. We were going to pull dad into the pool. Well, that was great. 
except that I didn't realize Dad wasn't keeping track of whose arms and hands he was grabbing. He would just grab a set of arms, peel the person off, and toss them. Grab another, peel them off, and toss them through the air, and they'd splash into the pool and come up laughing. One of the sets of arms that he grabbed was mine. Without even looking at what he was doing, he peeled off a set of arms, tossed me through the air, and into the deep end of the pool. And I couldn't swim. That was the most frightening experience I had ever had up until that moment. I was absolutely terrified. I remember thinking as I flew through the air, I'm going to die. I can't swim. I'm going to die. I'm going to drown. I was terrified. Why did my dad throw me? Why would he do that? He knew I couldn't swim. Why would he do that? I was completely unaware of the fact that he wouldn't have noticed whose hands he was holding or whose arms he grabbed or what body he threw. He was just laughing and playing with everybody else. I remember how beautifully the sun shone off the surface of the water and how much it sparkled as I sunk toward the bottom of the pool. I remember feeling remarkably calm, knowing that this was the end and this is how I was going to go. I knew I would drown. I frantically kicked my legs and paddled with my hands, but having no experience with that, I wasn't sure if I was going closer to the top. I think I wasn't. Right at the moment of despair, when I couldn't hold my breath any longer, a set of shoulders came up underneath my feet, and one of the big, popular, good-looking boys named Dave shot to the top of the water with me on his shoulders and tossed me out of the water toward the edge of the pool. It looked somewhat like a penguin when they come up out of the water and land on the edge of the ice floe. I was so relieved. I was beyond grateful. I landed on the cement at the edge of the pool and turned around, and there in the water was Dave laughing. How was that? I couldn't even come up with a response. Finally, I said something lame, probably something like, pretty fun. Then I said, how did you know? How did I know what? How did you know I couldn't swim? You can't swim? I didn't know you couldn't swim. I just was playing around. I saw your feet down there and I thought it would be really fun to come up under them and see if I could toss you out of the water. I was grateful to Dave for years and years. Even as an adult, when I saw him a couple of times, I was tempted to bring that experience up again and remind him that as far as I was concerned, he had saved my life. He didn't know I was drowning, but he lifted me up and saved my life. This applies to a lot of people you know, because right now, if you look around, kind of everybody's drowning. You can look at any room full of people or any group of friends and be absolutely confident that a good majority of them are going through something really difficult. Henry Eyring put it this way, quote, Many years ago, I was first counselor to a district president in the eastern United States. More than once, as we were driving to our little branches, he said to me, Hal, when you meet someone, treat them as if they were in serious trouble, and you will be right more than half the time. Not only was he right, but I have learned over the years that he was too low in his estimate, unquote. 
He was right. So many people that you know are going through financial, occupational, physical, spiritual, emotional trials, sometimes everything at once. As was the case when I was a little boy and was thrown into the deep end of the pool, it often takes them by surprise. Everything is beautiful and good and the sun is shining and they're laughing and playing, and then they're drowning. Afraid that they won't make it through, afraid that they can't get to the surface, afraid that they can't breathe. You may be in that very position right now as you listen to this podcast. The best thing you can do in this situation is the same whether you are the person drowning or the person doing the saving. You be the shoulders. You be the one that comes up underneath the struggling victim and tosses them back up into the sunlight. You be that person. If you are the shoulders, you will notice that your trials will seem smaller. Your troubles will begin to dissipate. Your confidence in your own ability to get through this will actually increase. Be the shoulders. Begin by observing. Watch people's body language. Watch what they do when they're in a room full of people. Watch how they carry themselves. Observe whether or not they look tired and sapped of energy, discouraged and downtrodden. Even if you are going through similar experiences, the best thing you can do to build your own faith, courage, confidence, and hope for the future is to observe others and find a way to show love to them. Then listen. Listen carefully to the words they say. If in passing you say, hey, how you doing? Listen to their response. Fine usually doesn't mean fine. Engage them in conversation. How much of it is negative? How much of it expresses a lack of hope? How much of it expresses self-doubt? Or even worse, self-loathing? Are there signs of discouragement, depression, frustration, or fear in what they say? Then, serve them in your way. Each of us has a very unique set of strengths. There's no one else exactly like you. That means that no one else can serve the way you can serve. And so, serve in your way. Find ways to show love that would be meaningful to you. I have a friend who's really, really good at just showing up. He's absolutely unafraid of going to the house of someone he doesn't know well and making a friend. He will ask point blank, what can I do for you? Are you struggling with anything? Is there anything I should know about your health or what's going on in your family? That's a really difficult thing for me to do. I have the questions and I feel those feelings, but he is particularly adept at putting it into action. You may show love or serve somebody by bringing them food or just having a good long talk. You might show love or service to them by babysitting their kids, going on a drive, giving some advice as to jobs that are available or ways to expand on their career. You may be the one who's really, really good at explaining principles that will be helpful. You may be the one that feels empathy 
or even has impressions come to your mind when they are in danger. You may be the one that talks them off the ledge. Whatever your thing is, just do that. Don't worry or obsess about the best way to do it. What if they don't take it right? What if I get it wrong? What if they don't really like cookies? What if? You can what if yourself into the grave. Don't what if. Just do something. If it's a text, send a text. If that's your thing, do it. It might astonish you what a difference that will make. Even the smallest acts of kindness are often great big things in the heart and mind of the person who thinks they're drowning. Be the shoulders. Come up underneath and lift all you can find. Now, if you're the one drowning and I can help, reach out to me. Go to the link in the podcast description and in the comments section, talk to me about how I can help you best. I have more stories to tell and more experiences to share and more things that I can do for you than you might think. We'll talk again soon.